This is Zips Unlimited, a show about the University of Akron, its programs, its people, and its community. Zips Unlimited is produced by WZIP-FM. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zips Unlimited. My name is Chris Kepler, General Manager here at WZIP. You may not be aware of this, and that's why we're talking about it, (laughs) that next week is Disabilities Awareness Week. And some people might be hearing that already and thinking, I didn't know there was such a thing. I don't even know why there is such a thing. Well, I've invited Jessica DeFago here. She's the director of the University of Akron Office of Accessibility. Also, Natalie Martin, who's coordinator of accessibility services. They're gonna tell us, it's really not so much, Jessica, I think about what it is, although that's part of it, but I think maybe the discussion is more about why it is and why it's important. Yeah. So, welcome to Zips Unlimited. I think you're first-timers here, right? Yeah, we, we sure are. are. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Very excited yes. to join you today. Let's start. I, I mentioned the Office of Accessibility. Yes. What, what is that? What, what does that mean? Oh, great question. The Office of Accessibility, it, we provide reasonable accommodations for students that have disabilities. So, if a student believes that some form of an academic auxiliary aid or a living environment can be accommodated for them while they're here on campus, um, we can help them out. Okay. Because a lot of people, they hear disability, they're probably thinking about a couple of really obvious things. You know, a Correct. student who maybe does not have use of their legs. Correct. Or something like And that is part of what you do, right? It is part of what we do. I, I think that uh, we always try to promote disability in a way where we talk about it and anything that is maybe a major life activity that is impacting an individual that could um, maybe create challenges mm-hmm. within an academic environment. Most of our population, though, have what we would consider invisible disabilities. So um, things like psychological disorders, learning disabilities, ADHD. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have chronic health and physical disorders as well. Okay, so lots and lots of things. Yes, (laughs) Yes. I always say if there's a diagnosis there (laughs) and that disability is impacting you in some way, come come into our office and see if we can help out. Well, and that's why I ask because, you know, again, when you say, when you use that word disability, Mm -hmm. and I've often heard, too, you know, that that's maybe not even the right word to use. That that's, you know, there are other ways to say that. Yes, and I think that depending on the disorder that someone might live with, they might just see it more so as, oh, this is a health disorder. So we have a lot of students that have asthma. And when it gets really cold and really hot and, and you're walking across a really large campus, you think, goodness me, is there something on campus that could help me because my breathing's being impacted? And, and then being able to correlate, oh, there is an office on campus that, that can help out, and it's the Office of Accessibility. And, and, and our name, I think, is purposeful uh, in mm-hmm. that because that's truly what we're doing. We're providing access to individuals that may need it if they're impacted by a disability. Wow, okay. I, I never, the asthma thing, I... Yeah. Never dawned on me, you know what I mean? Yes, (laughs) yes. And being on faculty, I do, you know, deal with different, I don't so much deal with challenges, but sort of work directly or indirectly through your office sometimes, Mm -hmm. almost every semester, really. Um, So I, you know, I I felt like I walked in here kind of knowing more than I I really did. (laughs) But that's really the purpose is to have that discussion, because there's a lot of people listening um, who, you know, some of them might know more than, than I do. And, and I suspect a lot of people don't know quite as much about, you know, why we have such a thing and, and, and why those services are 
not so much an amenity, but a, but a necessity on a campus. That, that's correct. And just being comfortable in a classroom, you know, one of Natalie's roles in our office as our coordinator is she might work with a student that needs specialized furniture. And maybe that specialized furniture is a padded chair because you have chronic back uh, aches mm -hmm. or disc issues. And we want you to be comfortable when you're sitting in a classroom mm -hmm. so that you can engage in conversation and what you're learning and not focus on that pain of a maybe a harder chair mm -hmm. that you're sitting in. So things as simple as that uh, really can alleviate extra stressors that a student mm -hmm. might be experiencing when they are accessing their education. Natalie, I'm sure there are people who come through where, you know, wherever the challenges are, they're maybe relatively routine to you, mm -hmm. but I'll bet at the same time, all of these challenges create almost like a fun challenge to you to, like, how can I solve <laughs> right. this? You know, here's right. somebody that's coming to me with this set of things, so how do I come up with something that, that makes everything accessible for them? That must be... Like right. I said, a challenge, but kind of fun. Yeah, problem solving is one of my favorite things. So it's definitely um, a good piece of my role. But I work with the disability specialists in the office. They kind of look at the student, what the student is self-reporting, and what their documentation says, and determine reasonable accommodations, and then kind of hand it off to me from there. And I mm -hmm. work with the student and the specialist to kind of figure out, okay, what type of furniture do we need, or um, where does a classroom need to be for a student to be able to fully access their mm -hmm. education? Yeah. I, you know, I said, and I, I would be saying, I probably said this on this show before, even though you weren't here, <laughs> is how easy your office is to work with. Oh, thank, um, thank you. And I've, I've, I've had that over the years, and I always tell classes that, you know, particularly the freshman classes who might not be quite as aware of some of the services, mm -hmm. but, yes. um, you know, if you have, if you have a question, just, just ask it. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and I've, I've told a lot of classes, if you had, for example, maybe you had an IEP you know, growing up in middle school and high school and so forth, that might be something you need to explore for college as well. That is correct. But you need to, but you need to go through your office. Yes. You know, that, that and that's the important part. I think mm -hmm. you guys do the verification and we sure do. figure out, I mm -hmm. guess, what, what is reasonable instead of just asking a thousand different different professors individually to come up with the right, right. that would not go well <laughs> right yeah our, our our work is very much driven by the impact of the disability so so it does need to make sense the accommodation needs to make sense so it it needs to link up to that uh, limitation that the disability may provide um, and so we get that through the student self-reporting uh, we call that the interactive process where the student can firsthand provide us an understanding of what they are experiencing and then substantiate it through documentation but to your point if if, if uh, a student is interested in learning more about our office and they don't want to start the registration process they can always schedule an information request mm -hmm. appointment with someone on our team to come in and, and talk more individualized about mm -hmm. their concerns and the challenges they may be facing on our campus. And we can start to talk through maybe potential ideas of how they could benefit from an accommodation plan and then get going on that registration process. What are some, when we're talking about, um, in these last couple of minutes, we were talking more about um, you know, accessibility in terms of, I guess, learning. Mm -hmm. um, what are some accommodations that, that are sometimes available? Yeah, so um, we have a lot of different accommodations. We don't necessarily have like a grocery list that you can <laughs> pick and choose from because right. we do like to tailor those accommodations to each individual student. 
Um, but pretty common ones are things like testing accommodations. If a student needs a separate room to test in, a little bit of extra time, that's something that we do very frequently. Um, like we talked about, I work a lot with furniture placement in classrooms for students that may need that. Moving classrooms to a different location if that's necessary to make sure a student can get to class on time or um, mitigate those symptoms of the disability. So it really is all over the place and tailored directly to the individual student that we're working with. Probably important to note too for people who, who might not fully understand or might just be especially cynical um, that you know what you're really talking about is bringing this population up to a level playing field yes mm -hmm. rather than the other way it's not so much that we're pushing them over and making them have an unfair Absolutely. advantage this is we're correct. preventing an unfair disadvantage mm -hmm. correct um i i think that we always try to go back to the pillars of the law that guides our work, and that's the Americans with Disabilities Act. That's a federal regulation that, that levels that playing field. It provides access in public sectors. Uh, we always say that when students are registered with our office and they walk across that stage and they get their, their degree, it means the same as their peers because our charge is providing access and um, advocacy for individuals with disabilities. But the other piece of that charge is upholding the integrity of the degrees that we award on campus. So uh, not providing an unfair advantage, but also not providing a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. How many students do you think you serve like in a given year or, or however you would measure that? Right. It's a great question. So uh, I, I would say most semesters, we have around 500 students that are actively accessing their accommodation plans. Okay. Uh, it, it does change from time to time because just by definition of being registered with our office, we don't force the student to use the plan. They know themselves best, so they can tap into that plan when they think that they need it. Mm -hmm. um, and that plan will follow them the entire time they're at the University of Akron. Yeah, you know, actually, now that you mentioned that, I have had several students over yes. the years that have an accommodation. They do have extra time for testing mm -hmm. or um, availability of a note taker if there's yes. one available, you know, things like that. And there were, I don't know, a decent amount of the time they were like, yeah, I don't, I really only needed this one. Right. Like I have these other three things, but there's really only the one that I actually, you know, plan to use. Right. Um, and as far as I know, that's the way it turned out. I mean, it's not, mm -hmm. that's another thing that's probably important to mention too. Um, there's a confidentiality in, involved with all of this. I mean, the rest of the class, yes. you know, generally has no idea that anything is, that there is an accommodation for mm -hmm. someone. Right. And I really appreciate you making that point because there is at times hesitancy for students to get registered with our office, especially traditionally aged students that are maybe coming from the K through 12 sector where uh, the approach there is slightly different and um, confidentiality is not quite as um, protected as mm -hmm. it is once you come into the higher ed sector. Mm -hmm. And so students, when they supply us with their medical documentation, that is kept completely confidential. So their instructors and everyone else on campus isn't going to know why they're registered. They won't have access to the documentation. Only our team has that. The instructors will only be told of the affiliation with our office, and here is the one to two page accommodation plan mm -hmm. that outlines that plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I receive in my mm -hmm. email is just just that yeah. much, mm -hmm. and just sort of told you know here are the accommodations that that are there, and it's never been anything where I thought, how do we do that? How do we make right, that happen? Right, I mean, it's, really, it's pretty simple stuff most of the time. 
Um, just a reminder, our listeners, you are listening to Zips Unlimited, WZIP FM 88.1. My name is Chris Kepler. Jessica DeFago is here along with Natalie Martin, both from the University of Akron Office of Accessibility. And we're talking about, you know, kind of what that means and how it applies to our campus and our students here. Um, and, and there are some things coming up, by the way, that we're going to talk about in a moment regarding Disabilities Awareness Week, which is next week. Um, you know, when we talk about, I guess, the other arm of accessibility, if you will, is like physically getting from one place to another. You mentioned mm -hmm. a few minutes ago, um, you know, making sure we have a classroom that people can actually, you know, access and that sort of thing. Correct. And I've read where people do, whether it's like a news report or just kind of an experiment or that, that so-called social experiment where they try to navigate a campus in a way other than by using all of the things that they do have available to them. Correct. So trying to imagine what it might be like for somebody who maybe doesn't have full vision or doesn't mm -hmm. have use of both legs or, you know, whatever it might be. You know, when you think about those things, um, do you think our campus is, is set up pretty good? I mean, are we – there are probably things you can think of that you'd like to see yeah. different. But, I mean, <laughs> overall, are, are we in a pretty good spot? I, I I believe we are in a very good spot. And how I make that determination is that when you look at the University of Akron and the physical landscape of it, we're a pretty large campus and mm -hmm. we are in an urban setting. And so we do share space with the city of Akron who we have wonderful partnerships with. So if there is, for example, a certain block that is city of Akron block, but our students need to walk that block to mm -hmm. visit get on campus that partnership with the city of Akron has been a beautiful one because we can reach out to the city of Akron and say hey do you think we could look at this part of the block and maybe prioritize uh, resurfacing it or maybe there isn't a curb cut there can we put a curb cut there so that the the student can easily walk across the street and so that not only benefits our students but the Akron community as a whole um, so so I, th I think as a whole we do a pretty good job mm -hmm. overall our buildings are pretty accessible um, and when they aren't maybe they're up for a renovation plan that's where Natalie's role would step in and mm -hmm. she's gonna get a classroom opened in a building that is more accessible for that so student. that was you a couple of years ago when <laughs> yes <laughs> our elevator here in Colby Hall I don't know, something went wrong with it one day, mm -hmm. and I happened to have a student in a class who, who, who had to have the use of an elevator. It was not an option mm -hmm. to, to do it another way. And our class was held on the second floor of this building. Mm -hmm. And when I realized, I happened to get here very early in the morning, typically, and I emailed somebody over in your office, it was probably Natalie that answered it, I don't know, <laughs> and said, hey, I have a classroom on the second floor. And I, I think it was maybe 10 minutes later, if that. Mm -hmm. um, there was an email sent to the entire class and then to me separately to answer mine that says, here's your, here's your new classroom, yeah. um, in a way where this, this one particular student could easily access and we didn't need to worry about an elevator at all. Mm -hmm. um, and it was that quick, you know, yes. and everybody got the message and everybody understood what to do. Right. And I have to give a shout out to physical facilities and classroom scheduling on that. Mm -hmm. we, we get the message and we disseminate as best we can, but they're yeah. the ones on the ground doing the work and they're always phenomenal to work with and very quick about um, getting in to make fixes. A lot so. of people don't realize the number of partnerships on campus that yes, really have nothing right. to do with maybe classroom experiences mm -hmm. and research and things like that. It's things like what you just described where you know, these, these other offices that a lot of students don't ever access or have mm -hmm. anything to do with, 
but they all have to work together, mm-hmm. you know, on things that you probably didn't even realize were going on. Right. <laughs> but Absolutely. they're still important, right? <laughs> yeah. you know? Yes. Yes. And so tapping into those those experts and folks in physical facilities of, you know, we're going to let you know that this is the issue. We're going to go to the registrar's office. We're going to move that classroom. But then physical facilities really takes it over and assesses the need for the improvement. And a lot of our work is, I think, relationship building mm-hmm. and connecting with the appropriate experts on campus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Natalie, you said a few minutes ago that, you know, problem solving is really that's a, a, a fun part of your job yeah. and something yes. you really enjoy doing. <laughs> but what drew you to this type of work overall? What drew you to the Office of Accessibility? That's a great question. Um, I My family has a history of working in education, so that was a pretty big piece of why I was interested in the University of Akron. My parents both graduated from the University of Akron. They met there, here actually, um, <laughs> and really enjoyed their experience. And so Um, That was a big part of the reason why I came to Akron in the first place. And then accessibility is just something that I've grown up around. My mom works in special needs preschool and um, several other family members have been through um, that program as well. So Mm -hmm. it's been a really rewarding experience. And I've been here for about five years now with Mm -hmm. no plan of leaving anytime soon. (laughs) Jessica, what what was your connection? What made you want to work in, in this type of area? Um, great question. My, mine is also personal. In first grade, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. And um, I, w- I am a child of the very early 80s. And, and IEPs, though starting to become a thing, weren't really a thing then. Mm-hmm. And I had two parents that were a dog with a bone. And they said, this child's going to read, but we're also going to get them the best education possible. And, and then, back then, uh, that was kind of sending me out from my home school to another school. And then once I got all of those resources in place throughout my whole educational journey, uh, though reading is one of my favorite pastimes now, um, I, I hit I hit challenges and I hit barriers. And uh, when I came to the University of Akron, I have both of my degrees from here. Uh, when I came to the University of Akron and I started exploring a career in higher ed, I had learned about the Office of Accessibility, and I felt, wow, I could go full circle there, and and I think that I could be a change maker working in accessibility services. And I've been here 13 and a half years in that office, and I don't see myself leaving Good. <laughs> either. <laughs> I, I love the work. And, and like Natalie mentioned, a lot of our work is putting a puzzle together and, and solving concerns and issues. And every couple years, there's a new problem and there's a new issue. And, and, and we say, okay, we got to figure this mm-hmm. out. So um, I like that part of the job. I, I like figuring out new ways to provide access. You know, I think for, for some people listening, they may have never personally dealt with any of the types of challenges that we've been mm-hmm. talking about. And, and I find it hard to believe they don't know somebody who maybe has dealt with something, but maybe they haven't. But what, what I was kind of thinking, too, is that um, something could happen to any one of us yes. that creates a challenge that we otherwise had never known, mm-hmm. um, whether it's something that could impact you know, it could be like a traumatic brain injury. Yes. That where you survive and you're going to be fine, but maybe the way you process things is different. Right. And you may need some of the things that we were just talking about. Or you could be, I don't know, in an accident or something. Mm-hmm. And I, there was a story I, I've never forgotten. I was a, a judge a few years ago in the Ms. Wheelchair USA 
competition. Yes. It's held an acronym every year. Yes. And, or the acronym area, at least. And there was a, a young woman, I think at the time, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm guessing she might have been late 20s, 30-ish, something like that. And, and every one of these women tells their story about, mm-hmm. you know, why they're in a wheelchair. And this particular person was not born with a condition or anything that, mm-hmm. that prompted that. She was a high school and college athlete. And it was literally, they won their softball game and they were all cheering and doing um, cartwheels and backflips. Mm-hmm. And this particular woman did a backflip that she'd done a thousand times before, but she landed wrong. Yes. And that was the last day she ever walked. Yes. You know? And, and there's somebody who, before yeah. that day, probably never dreamed no, that she right. would, you know, be using a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for transportation to you know, just to get here and there in her house and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yes, there there are a lot of students that are registered with our office that acquire a later in life disability. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have individuals like myself that you were diagnosed early on and you kind of just always knew it was there and you, you really learn how to self-accommodate as opposed to someone that acquires a disability there's another added layer there it's Mm -hmm. it's the self-acceptance it's learning how to how to live in that new body Um, it's learning how to advocate for yourself and those are all areas that I believe our office also helps with Mm -hmm. I I think we all view ourselves as advocates first and foremost Mm -hmm. and then also when you talk about things like mental health disorders a lot of those really start showing themselves around this traditional age Mm -hmm. college Mm -hmm. so helping our students gain acceptance and learn how to live with that disability is is a small part of the work that we also do Mm -hmm. all right well the outreach is going to continue um all week some some special events going on Mm -hmm. uh to mark disabilities awareness week and that's starting i think with a book fair right yeah correct correct we're very excited for it's from 10 to 2 in bierce library on monday october 31st halloween Um, We're partnering with both the library and Elizabeth's Bookshop um, to bring forward some titles that you may not have seen before or you have seen before that are either by authors with disabilities or about characters with disabilities. Um, So we're really excited to highlight those pieces of literature through the library and um, through a local bookstore in our community. Very nice. And then later on in the week... um Let's see, mug, mug painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one on Wednesday the 2nd. Um, we have a bunch of mugs, so you're welcome to stop by the piano lounge from 11 to 1. Um, we'll have some paint pens out, so you're welcome to decorate a mug. Um, but the main purpose is also to teach students uh, those ASL basics, so American Sign Language. Um, we're going to talk about the alphabet a little bit. We'll have one of our interpreters there uh, to help students kind of pick up those basics to help them better be able to communicate with their peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's become a really popular um, yeah. option for students mm-hmm. who have a foreign language requirement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had a lot of students who go mm-hmm. for sign language mm-hmm. and have told me they learned a lot, but it's not necessarily easy. No. I mean, you have to work no. at it just like any mm-hmm. other. Li- I think some of them probably signed up for it thinking, oh, yes. this is way easier than taking Spanish. And then they right. found out. No, it's probably about the same, just different. Right, <laughs> right. And, and I think that what people may find is that the physical expression within that language is just as important. Mm-hmm. Your, your, your facial expressions, the way you hold your body um, is just as important as the language itself. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I think that it's a really cool opportunity for folks to kind of immerse 
mm-hmm. in that language. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can at least learn some some alphabet basics over yeah. at the student union on Wednesday. This is for I, I assume students or employees yep. students, of the employees, university. Students, employees, faculty, anybody's welcome to stop by. Okay, and then Friday we're going to meet some dogs. Yes. <laughs> one of our most popular events every year but we bring in some therapy dogs on that friday which i believe is the fourth and beers as well um we'll have dogs from 10 to 2 you're welcome to come pet dogs de-stress um learn a little bit about the office of accessibility while you're there too okay and i read too where there's um, a bookmark available that you can pick up but for people listening that might not really make a lot of sense but i think the point is is it, is it the books that you were just talking about a few minutes ago? That, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we do have a bookmark. Um, it's on our website, but students can also pick it up at our book fair event. Um, but the idea is to prompt different reading st- types. So you, you're diversifying your reading by maybe reading a book with an author, written by an author that has a chronic health condition, or a book about a character that might have a psychological disorder, or just really broadening your horizons in your reading. Um, and getting that representation um, out of your literature. So it sounds like that maybe that's something that somebody could do who is not part of our university, somebody just listening mm-hmm. to this or whatever, could in their own way mark um, Disabilities Awareness Week just by just by picking up one of those books. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And our website is uacron.edu slash access, and there's a link for Disabilities Awareness Week, um, and you can access the bookmark right then and there, um, even if you're not a student, don't plan to be a student, that's right. fine, you're welcome to use it. And you know, speaking of that population, are there other things that you would want them to do or to think about? Um, whether it's this week, in your life, it's not really one week, it's 52 weeks <laughs> right, a year. Right, exactly. I mean, what should the rest of us be thinking about or doing, especially for those who aren't part of the university and, and maybe, you know, for whatever other reason, are not able to be here to take in some of the things that, mm-hmm. that Natalie just described? Mm-hmm. Right. I think uh, the first start is being an advocate because chances are you know someone who has a disability. And so as you approach life, um, understanding the challenges that may come with someone living with a disability, uh, challenging yourself to um, remove bias. So, uh, for example, if you're at the grocery store and you see someone parking in an accessible uh, parking spot, but they aren't in a wheelchair or they're not using a cane, and, and, and maybe the, the thought is to question, well, they don't need that. Consider maybe they have an asthma or, or another chronic health disorder that, that prevents them from walking long distance. Um, viewing disability as part of the person, it, it's not the whole person. Uh, th- though the symptoms can uh, show itself maybe more in some environments, that person has other things um, about them and not just the disability. And they may not want to talk about it all the time, and that's okay too. Um, so I think just being an advocate, and you can easily be an advocate in those ways, just shifting your mindset. Okay. Once again, for more information about all these things we're talking about, if you need to get in touch, uacron.edu slash access. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Zips Unlimited can be heard each Saturday at noon on 88.1 WZIP-FM. Z-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A-A